0: 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body.
1: Thank you again for your welcome. I think the children are One of the issues which we constantly see as being a problem today, perhaps exacerbated by the pandemic, is the the misuse of social media. And the problem, quite innocently, that has arisen from it, that especially when you have something very visual, where people present what they've been doing, how their life is, is the tendency to people to look at it and... it's been noted it's a problem, especially amongst teens, teenage girls, especially have been noted as having particularly high rates of anxiety uh from saying, "What you know, how good is my life compared to this person's? Uh, if only I was able to go to where this person is able to go on holiday. If only I could wear the nice clothes that this person was wearing, and the like. And... One of the big problems, of course, with this is that it it does not really show real life. Uh, Do you actually know someone's real life, rather than just the photos they choose to post of themselves? And this can lead to inferiority on the part of some, to superiority on the part of others, at least I'm not like them. Um, Or it can just lead to jealousy. I wish I was like that person. In the passage that we were reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it appeared that something like that was going on in the church. Now, they didn't have social media in Corinth in the first century, but they did have spiritual gifts. And what seems to have been happening is that those with what we might call the more spectacular spiritual gifts, prophecy, speaking in tongues and the like, were being exalted. People were saying, oh, look at these amazing people. And it appeared to others were well, either feeling jealous or were feeling inferior, thinking, How am I how am I useful to the church after all, here are these people who are like that? But Paul here in this chapter is helping them to see that their understanding is wrong. Their understanding is mistaken in terms of thinking why God has given gifts, why God has blessed his church with these things, and the role that each person, each member has to play in that. On this and so many other issues, they were really an immature church. Yes, they were blessed in many ways, as, as we can see even through reading this, but uh, as, if you were to see the rest of the book, you'll see that they were ignoring terrible sin amongst them, and uh, most astonishingly, maybe to us, some were even getting drunk on the communion wine. So clearly this was a church that had some issues. So what we see here is that Paul is focusing on God's power to build up his church. That God has given power to build up his church. And our aim today, our big idea I should say, is that God is at work in us for the good of his church. I hope and pray that that's something we'll all understand from this passage by the end of our time together, that God is at work in us, he's at work in each one of us, for the good of his church, his whole local church here at Thibaut Salmonie Baptist Church. And so my hope also is that each of us will join in serving the church in God's power. And as we do this we're going to see three things, first of all that you need Jesus to have his spirit. You need God's power to serve his church, and you need to belong to the body to serve it. So you need Jesus to have his spirit, you need God's power to serve his church, and you need to belong to the body to serve it. So the first of those, and is the first three verses, you need Jesus to have his spirit. So Paul begins, now about the gifts, or literally almost the things of the spirit, he's saying... And he doesn't actually talk about the Holy Spirit, first of all. In fact, he kind of takes a step back and says, what spirit is it that you have? The problem is this, that we can get carried away, can't we, with seeking spiritual experience that we don't stop to ask, well, what are we following? Now, if you're a football fan like me, you might be someone who thinks that, well, I could get the shirt of my team. Now, um, I'm the supporter of Ipswich Town. We're, we're down in League One. If you, if you haven't heard of us, that's why we're, we're not that good at the moment. But um, we have to have at least one famous fan. Anyone recognise the man on the screen? Ed Sheeran. Yes. Okay. Um, Ed Sheeran, like me, had the privilege of being raised in the county of Suffolk and Ipswich are the local team there. So. Um, Ed Sheeran has, uh, is not only proud to wear an Ipswich shirt these days, he's got so much money he's even come put the shirt sponsor. It's actually, he's even, we're even being sponsored by them. So, I look at Ed Sheeran and I think, oh, wouldn't it be great to, to wear an Ipswich shirt like him? Uh, the problem of course is that all the Ed Sheeran fans are now buying Ipswich shirt, so they're getting even more expensive. So I'm thinking, well, I've got to pay up more than £50 pounds to get this. I mean, Parents with just a piece of material. Hmm. I wonder if uh, I can get a cheaper version, do you think? Now, I'm not aware of Ipswich ones being like this, but bigger teams such as Barcelona. Uh, there are often knock-off versions of them, you know, cheaply produced versions that you can uh buy if you know where to look. And this graphic's already been produced by someone who's very concerned that you understand the difference between a fake one and a real one. The fake one, the colour is probably going to run, the material probably won't won't be so good, and so even though you're paying less, you're not getting as good a product as the real one. Also, they would have you believe. Anyway, this helps us, I think, to understand a bit about what's going on in what Paul is saying in these verses here. I encourage you to take a look at verses 1-3. to three. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is trying to put his finger on here is which spirit, which god, are you actually worshiping? If you claim to know God, if you claim to have an experience of the spirit in your life, well, which one is that? Now, in the case of the Corinthians, he knew that they were from backgrounds where they had worshiped idols, literal statues or images. Uh, and maybe, as part of that worship, some of them had had deep spiritual experiences. But Paul here is saying, well, that was then, and this is now. Now, the important thing is to see, are you actually a follower of Jesus or not? And he says that in verse 3. I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. Now, that may sound an extraordinary thing to us. Indeed, it's rather puzzling what Paul means there. But the point is, he's saying that a true follower of Jesus, someone in whom the Holy Spirit lives will not speak against Jesus. Now people today may not be quite so outspoken in their views, but we may get people who will say Jesus was a good teacher. We may have friends, especially our Muslim friends, who say Jesus was a prophet. There may be our Jehovah's Witness friends who say, well, Jesus was an angel, he was like an exalted figure, but not truly God. But Paul's question is, what do you make of Jesus? Who do you say he is? And he says quite emphatically here, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not just saying you can mouth those words, Jesus is Lord. Of course, we all know anyone can be taught to say virtually anything. But what he's saying is, you cannot say from the heart, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit who brings God's life to you so that you recognize Jesus as Lord. But what does he mean by that phrase, Jesus is Lord? If you had to turn, especially if you've got a church Bible, you should be able to flick over the page to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And there, Paul says this in verses 4 to 6. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8 verses 4 to 6. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, but that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many, listen to this, lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we (coughs) live. Paul's point is that you may be worshipping another God that is Lord in your life. Uh, The word could also mean like a ruler. And one of the things that early Christians were being encouraged to say is that Caesar, the Roman emperor, he is Lord. He's the one who rules over our lives. But Paul's point here is that only Jesus is our God. Only Jesus is our Lord, the one who rules over our lives. So when he says, you can only say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit, he means that you need God's Holy Spirit to work in you, so that you can reject all other gods and lords over you, and say, those things may matter, they may be important, but they're not my Lord. Only by the Spirit can you say that Jesus is my only ruler, Jesus is my only God. So, back to 1 Corinthians 12 then. Paul's saying, that's why you need the Holy Spirit, and that's how you recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not in the end of the day down to having great spiritual experiences of one sort or another, God may bless you with them, but does the work of the Spirit lead you to say Jesus is Lord? Does the work of the Spirit lead you to live with Jesus as Lord? If we were to examine your life, if we were to examine your bank balance, we were to examine your time, if we were to examine where you put your efforts, would you be, would there be evidence to show that Jesus is Lord of your life? So Paul's point here is that following Jesus as Lord alone shows the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus as Lord alone, this is what shows the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. Don't follow the fakes, don't follow the knockoffs of the world around you or that might uh, attract you to another form of spiritual experience. Beware of saying that I am my own Lord. Beware of thinking my work is my Lord. Beware of thinking my desire for a better life is my Lord. Rather place your life in Jesus' hands. And with His help, ask that He will show to you that He alone can be Lord of your life and that all other Lords are idols, are fake gods who cannot deliver what they promise so we've seen that you need jesus to have his spirit but we now go on to see in verses 4 to 11 that you need god's power to serve his church so granted let's say you're a believer that you are someone who follows jesus what difference does that make in terms of how you serve him Paul describes this in verses 4 to 11. So, beginning with verses 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone. It is the same God at work. Notice what Paul is saying. There are different kinds of gifts. Paul has so array, uh, Sorry. God has so arranged different people to be different members of the church and given each of them different gifts. We are not meant to be like cookie cutters all the same in the church. Rather, God's way is to bring unity to it. Notice how he talks about the Spirit, the Lord, a reference to Jesus, and God, the Father. He's talking here about the Trinity, just as God is three in one, and yet serves each member serves the same purpose, has the same goal. So God intends his church to be like that, that we reflect God's nature, that we serve towards one purpose. But a question might well be, okay, how do I serve? How does that work? Well, think of shopping for shoes an experience that we had with a member of the family during the summer. And if you're shopping for shoes, you can put out just a whole load of different pairs, and you're trying to work out, like which is the right colour, which is the right style, which is the right fit, and uh, how many times do you find the right size, and yet it's still not quite comfortable, and so on and so forth, until you finally find the one pair that fits every sort. Now, Let's try and think of this like this. It seems that this can help us to understand the way God has given gifts to his church. Namely, let's think of it that each of us is given a pair of shoes. But they might not fit us, but they will fit somebody else. In other words, God so equips us with his gifts that we, by meeting, by bringing, so to speak, our gifts with us, We can serve and bless somebody else, probably more than one person. Maybe the shoes will fit more than one person. But the point is that God gives his gifts because he knows what his church needs. And so the question is, are we willing? Are we prepared to step up and to serve and to share the gifts that God has given us? Now, in the list that he goes on to give in verse 7-11, to notice this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one of us is given that pair of shoes. Each one of us is given a gift, and that is for the good of everybody in the church. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. And so he continues listing these the different gifts and concluding all these are the work of one and the same spirit, that emphasis on unity, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So God determined that you should have that particular pair of shoes, that particular gift by which you can serve his church. And he determined that that should be for the good of someone else or others in the church. (coughs) In that uh, passage that we began our meeting with, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul explains there to the church how this works. Ephesians 4 verse 16 we read, From him, that is Christ, the whole body, speaking of the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God's intention then is that the way a church grows, the way a church works, is by each part, each member, stepping up and serving, and using what God has given you for the good of others, for the good of one another. So, for instance, if if I'm coming here and I may be feeling down, I may have had a bad week, things might not be going well, one of you can say an encouraging word to me that can help me. If I stay at home, I don't get that. If you stay at home, I don't get that. But if I come and you come and we form part of the body, your encouraging word can build me up. I might be struggling to pay the bills, but you might learn of that need, and you may be able to help me through this next month. I might not see how Jesus will make a difference to my friends. I might be struggling to think, how do I talk about Jesus to them? And you can show me about how you have found it helpful to share Jesus with your friends. I might have a big decision to make, and I really don't know what to do. But you might be able to show me some wisdom about how you have faced such decisions in your life. Again, I need to be coming, I need to present my need. You need to be coming, you need to be presenting the thing that I need in each of those cases. Remember, each of us is given that pair of shoes for the blessing of one another. So when we touch on these subjects, there's nearly always a question, well, how do I know what my gift is? Can I suggest there's two or three questions you might need to ask yourself? First of all, what needs to be done? If you can see that there are things that need to be done in the church. Then ask, and ask Derek, ask Gabby, and I'm sure if you're in a position to help, they'll be more than happy for you to apply yourself in different ways to them. Another question may be, well, what do you desire to do? God often plants a desire in our heart to do particular things, to serve in particular ways. We may have a particular burden. You may think, oh, yeah, I really wish I could do something like this. Again, approach your elders, speak to them about it. But The third question might be, what do I sense God wants me to be doing? But I'm, I'm kind of fearful about it. Often using our spiritual gifts means... Use that well-worn phrase: stepping out of our comfort zones means being prepared to get on and do things that naturally we wouldn't want to do. I can certainly think of my first experiences more than twenty-five years ago, speaking in front of a church. But I really did not want to do it, Uh, and I had to learn then, and indeed still have to learn, to depend on God to be able to. The point, though, is this. You need to use the ability, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you to serve others. That is why God gives it to you. That is why God has put you here in this church to be part of that. So we've seen that you need Jesus to have his spirit, you need to uh the, the Holy Spirit it's God's power to be able to serve others. But finally, you need to belong to the body to serve it, you need to belong to the body to serve it. And back to 1 Corinthians 12, in those uh, final verses in, that we were looking at from verses 12 to 20, Paul very much uses the image of a body and then its different parts, and he has that slightly amusing conversation going on with a foot speaking and saying, I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And in a way, it, it, you kind of think, what's going on there? Well, let's think of it like this. Well, there was a, a French animated film called I Lost My Body, uh, made about two or three years ago. And uh, th- this is going to sound incredibly creepy, but it's about this this uh, young man who, in an accident, loses his hand. His hand is severed. And then, this is where it gets a bit strange, this hand breaks out of where it's been stored and proceeds to try and find him in the city. So you kind of see this dismembered hand walking along and so on. And in this particular case there's a scene where it's down a subway and these rats are sniffing by and it finds a lighter to kind of scare them off. But we find understandably the idea of a disembodied hand moving a little bit creepy, a bit strange. Because we know that a part of the body belongs on the body. And here Paul is saying that's exactly the case when it comes to spiritual gifts. Are you part of the body? And that's why he says in verse 1, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. On the one hand, a church is made up of many people, but those many people coming together make up the church. question is, Are you part of it? Are you a member? Do you actually belong to it? As we've just seen, God gives each of us a gift. God gives each of his followers, the followers of Jesus Christ, a gift by which to serve his people, to serve within the church. However, the implication here is that you belong to it. I'm sure you've had the experience of Uh, maybe when you've been sitting for a long time, or cross-legged or something, and and all of a sudden your leg goes dead, and you're trying to get up, and and you're kind of limping around, and and there's something that's happened there. And, And there's this weird experience, isn't there, where something that we expect to be working in our body is not working. Well, that may be how it is when we expect and see people to be there in the church, and they are not. We need to be present, we need to be active, and we also need to show that we have actually joined the church. Now, some people find the idea of church membership a difficult one to understand. You think, well, I just turn up every Sunday, don't I belong? Well, there's clearly Paul understood that you need to be able to see if if the hand is... um, Sorry, if the foot is saying, "Well, I, I'm I'm not a hand, therefore I don't belong," you be saying, "Well, of course you are. You're part of the foot." The thing is, though, that you need to see that the foot is there in the first place. You know that you have a foot. You expect it to be there. And in the same way, we need to step up and actually join the church to belong to it. And certainly, we can see this in earlier in one Corinthians where. Paul, trying to deal with an issue in the church where it was needed to exclude a member, writes this. What business is it of mine, this is uh, chapter 5 verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? The point is that there is, at some point, there has to be a dividing line. Who is inside the church? And who is outside? you can't act to say this person no longer belongs to the church unless you actually know who is part of it. And that's why it's important that we step up and seek to join the church. So be part of the body. Ask about becoming a church member. Speak to have you speak to Pastor Derek if you haven't uh, about being a member of the church. Uh, It may be that you haven't been baptized. Maybe you're not even a believer of Jesus yet. You need certainly to go through those first. But the important thing is, are you actually part of the body? Ask about becoming a church member and ask how you can serve. So, we've seen that God is at work in us for the good of his church. It should be thrilling. It should be considered an incredible privilege that God should choose to use me. To be part of his purposes. He uses the local church to spread the good news of Jesus, to show his glory in the world. Is that an incredible privilege? Should move us to see that God has set his love on me and he wants me to be part of his body. And if that's the case, well, If you if you already have Jesus, you have his Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have his Holy Spirit living within you. And therefore, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to serve his church. You have that opportunity to step up and serve. But you need to belong to the body to serve in it. You need to say, yes, I'm committed. I now belong to this church. I'm willing to commit myself to this. And I believe that Pastor Derek is going to be looking at what it is to be a church member in the coming weeks. So I trust and hope that you'll be learning more about that. Shall we close him in prayer and then we'll sing our closing hymn. <clears throat> Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and light of your church, Open our hearts to the riches of your grace that we may bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in love and joy and peace. Help each of us, Father, to see how we can serve, how we can be used by you to see the gifts that you have given us for the good of your church. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.